Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Chicago becomes the largest city in the nation to call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Chicago City Council passed a resolution for a permanent ceasefire, humanitarian assistance, and the immediate and unconditional release of all hostages, with a narrow vote of 23 aldermen in favor and 23 against. And it was Mayor Brandon Johnson who ultimately broke the tie. So I will exercise my vote and my right, and I vote aye. In October, city council members voted to condemn Hamas after the group attacked Israel on October 7th, killing 1,200 Israelis and taking 250 people hostage. Since then, Israeli forces have killed more than 26,000 Palestinians in Gaza, more than 10,000 of which were children. Now, to understand how Chicago's resolution fits in, we spoke with WBEZ city government and politics reporter Mariah Wolfel. And I started by asking Mariah about the key components of the resolution. Here's Mariah. So the resolution called for three things, a permanent ceasefire, uh, humanitarian assistance to Gaza, like food and medicine, which is scarce, and the immediate and unconditional release of all hostages. This resolution is modeled after United Nations Resolution 377 called Uniting for Peace. And that resolution was passed in December by more than 150 countries. Um, what prompted that resolution was the United States veto- vetoing a week earlier a Security Council resolution um, that would that called for a ceasefire mm-hmm. and the United States voted against both of those vetoed one voted against the other right um, 150 nations out of 153 out of 186 nations voted in favor of the ceasefire Daniel Laspada of the first ward and Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez of the 33rd ward introduced the resolution so talk about what they had to say yesterday So Rosana Rodriguez-Sanchez has been getting a lot of flack for taking up an international issue. And so I think she wanted to address that in her comments, Um, you know, and she addressed a lot of criticism that she got for the process by which this resolution came to a vote. Um, But her primary message was she believes that as elected officials, they have the power to save lives by uplifting a demand. Um, Her message was that this is the consensus among the majority of Americans in the United States. She cited some polls that show... um, more and more people think that a ceasefire is the most immediate and urgent um, action to take. Um, and she highlighted the conditions in Gaza, um, hospitals being decimated, um, food, people on the verge of famine, mm-hmm. um, according to the United Nations, and um, said that even if this is symbolic, there's a massive Palestinian community in Chicago and Cook County. Um, And so it would send a message to support to constituents of the city who have lost family members in Gaza um, and also increase pressure and just build consensus around this. Well, she's got a lot of flack, but also um, there's been a lot of opposition, right? We know two alders, Deb Silverstein of the 50th Ward and uh, Ray Lopez of the 15th. They were key opponents of the resolution. So remind us what the sticking points were for them. Sure. So Alderwoman Deborah Silverstein and Alderman Ray Lopez have staunchly opposed the resolutions that Rosana Rodriguez-Sanchez and Daniel Espada have put forth. Um, the main 
criticism that they highlighted on the council floor yesterday was they believe this resolution is one-sided. It doesn't strongly enough call for the unconditional release of all hostages. It doesn't call for um, the dismantling of Hamas. And they argued that it would undermine the United States veto power um, at the United Nations Security Council and step into international relations in a way that Chicago shouldn't be doing. Um, they argued that we should leave this power to President Joe Biden mm-hmm. um, and let negotiations play out as as they will. Um, a statement signed by 23 other older persons who voted against the ceasefire resolution echoed that concern primarily about dipping into international negotiations mm-hmm. um, and undermining Biden at a time when the city is getting ready to host the Democratic National Convention. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Biden because that's happening this summer, the, the, the convention. You think this is putting pressure on the president? I think that from the experts I've spoken to, um, non-binding resolutions like this can have a really indirect impact on foreign policy, if at all. Um, and so I think what proponents are hoping is that this is a way of building consensus um, in in the country um, to put pressure on levels of government above them. And so that includes state representatives, congressional dele- congressional um, Chicago's congressional delegation. Mm-hmm. And then slowly that leads up to a point where a point of pressure where President Joe Biden has no choice but to listen to cities across the country who are calling for a ceasefire. And so I think proponents wanted Chicago to be a part of that call. Yeah, absolutely. And the cities across the country that we join now are cities like St. Louis and Detroit and Atlanta and, and, and dozens more, according to a Reuters analysis, Mariah. But, well, Chicago, we know, is also home to one of the largest Palestinian communities, as you, you mentioned there in uh, Rodrigo Sanchez's comment. We on the program, we've heard from, a, you know, a lot of folks who have lost family in Gaza. We've talked to people about hostages um, who have got, you know, Chicago area connections as well. I mean, talk more about how this is all just hitting home here. Yes, it's an international issue, but a lot of people here are severely affected. Yeah. And I think we've seen that play out in City Hall over the past few months. Um, Multiple meetings have had to be cleared. The council chambers have had to be cleared at multiple meetings because of the passion around this issue on multiple sides from multiple angles. Um, Chicago has a massive Jewish population as well. Of course, the Jewish population is not a monolith. Um, Palestinians, uh, Cook County is home to the largest Palestinian population in the country, as you said. Um, Many of the people organizing around a ceasefire resolution have lost family members in Gaza um, and are asking for, we're asking for their humanity to be recognized for even symbolically a message of support um, by by their elected leaders. On the heels of what you just said, you could really, I mean, the images that I saw and, and just tape I heard, you could really see the passion and that sensitivity um, surrounding this resolution. What did City Hall look like yesterday for, for those who didn't get to see? Well, there were um, spectators on both sides of the issue. There's this photo. I tried to capture it, but I was too late. But I think the Sun-Times got a photo of two um, spectators in the upper third floor gallery of City Hall. And they're sitting next together, next to each other. And one is holding up an Israeli flag against the glass mm-hmm. partition. And next to him, someone's holding up a Palestinian flag. And that just, I mean, it, and they're it side by side. Yeah, the tension... 
um, that could be felt and has been felt in the city hall in city hall for the past few months as council members have grappled with how to weigh in on this issue. Um, but by and large, the vast majority of people who have been at these meetings are Palestinian justice organizers um, who have been pressuring the call for a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. They've dominated the halls of the city hall lobby um, with chants. Yesterday, they were chanting, the people united can never be defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that we will win. Uh, viva, viva Palestina. And so those chants have just dominated city hall's lobby for weeks now, um, on and off. And yesterday, after the ceasefire resolution passed, just hundreds of people in the lobby jumping, screaming, Lots chanting, cheering. The cheering. Just a at, at one point, the mayor had to ask folks to, you know, quote, demonstrate some restraint. Yes, right? yeah. So that that has been a repeated call from the mayor and a repeated challenge um, for him to keep order. Yesterday, he admonished the crowd multiple times, um, particularly when Alderwoman Silverstein was speaking. Um, a man got up and started shouting that she was responsible for the death of the six-year-old boy who was um, stabbed after uh, by, by a man who is reported to have been watching anti-Arab media. And so it's... Wadiya Al-Fayumi. Correct. And so just very, very tense times. I think the council was able to maintain order after that, but a few more shouts. The mayor had to clear the chambers, and that took maybe about an hour. Eventually, people were let back up onto the third floor gallery, which is partitioned away from the city council. Um, and then the meeting continued. Alderwoman Silverstein started her remarks over. Uh, anything else that folks shared during public comment? One woman who had said she, based on her comments that she has made at City Hall, got fired or got a job offer rescinded um, because of her pro-Palestinian comments. And so she urged council members to not um, to not let that go in vain, basically, Mm -hmm. to not let that go to waste and try to kind of communicate how how much this issue means to her. Lots, lots of pro-Palestine comments. Also, you know, anti-ceasefire comments as well. Um, People who say a ceasefire should not happen until all hostages are are released, which also reflects some of the opposition. Yeah. Well, you know, many of the people who did speak in support of the ceasefire resolution, I mean, they're calling this a bare minimum. Let's listen. Every minute that goes by, more Palestinians die. 114 days later, and we are still debating whether a ceasefire, the bare minimum, the bare minimum, again, should be called. What comes next? Mariah, I mean, what else are people pushing for at this point? Well, a deal is being negotiated currently um, that would free hostages kidnapped by Hamas on October 7th in exchange for a two-month pause in fighting between the militant group and Israel. And so that is ongoing. In the larger picture, I think organizers want to see an end to the occupation over Palestinian territories. Israel has maintained a 56-year occupation over Palestinian territories, including the West Bank, um, according to the United Nations. They've enacted a 16-year blockade of Gaza. Israel controls traffic into and out of the territories and resources such as food and water and electricity, as we've seen. And so I think um, organizers want to see an end to the occupation Mm -hmm. next. Um, But, you know, I am no international expert and I wouldn't dare to speak on what happens next. But that's what we heard, that this is the first step towards um, broader justice for 
Palestinian And there's people. more to be done. Correct. That's Mariah Wolfel, city government and politics reporter for WBEZ. Thanks for the update. Thank you. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Max Lubers and mixed and edited by Meha Ahmed. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the pod so that you never miss a conversation like this one. If you learned something today, consider leaving us a rating, too. That'll help us share local stories and national news to more listeners like you. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.